Entrepreneurship has risk at the heart of it. One huge risk in modern small business is to spend months or years even working on a project only to release it and find that nobody wants it. So how do we manage the risk as intelligently as possible? How do we reduce the risk so that our business, our project, our campaign is more likely to succeed? Well, the answer is simple. And maybe, maybe it's too simple because very few early stage entrepreneurs really take it in and use it. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Let's roll the intro. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! Hey, this is the Fizzle Show, where every Friday we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself, doing something that you care about. We've got a lot of listeners, and we've got a lot of love for you. Uh, you already heard what we're talking about today on the show. Did you like how I left that a little bit mysterious? Ooh, it's a good conversation. And in case you aren't familiar with what we do here at Fizzle, we run fizzle.co. All right, F-I-Z-Z-L-E dot co dot C-O. And we love our podcast listeners. Uh, as a listener of the show, you can get five weeks of Fizzle membership for free. All right, we have a special link just for you podcast listeners. It is fizzle.co slash try five. You can start the roadmap for small business from start to finish. You can check out any of the 40 plus courses that we have in there. And you can ask a question and get advice in the forums about your specific issues right now. That's fizzle.co slash try five. All right, let's get into the conversation. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 182. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is Chase Warman Reeves over here in Portland, Oregon, and Corbett Barr is calling in. Where are you calling from, Corbett? Woo! Portland. Wait. <laughs> oh, that's neat. We're that's both, weird. We're both there. <laughs> Why is that weird? <laughs> we're in the same place. Oh, yeah. I just thought it was woo- weird to woo Portland. <laughs> Wait, oh, that's weird woo. too. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get my energy up. I, I still have, I still have uh, uh, in my head like a joke that keeps going and over, over and over. Not a joke, just like a moment when you're on our latest podcast, I think the last podcast before this one or the one before that. You're like, you know when you're getting older and like the woo comes out kind of weird? You're like, woo! <laughs> <laughs> More like a moo? Exactly. Like a cow? Yeah. And then Steph's here. Steph, where are you calling from? Hey guys, I'm calling from Chicago and I want to share something with you, but I'm afraid Corbett's going to get mad at me. Because he got oh, ma- he got mad whoa. at me last time when I, I mentioned I keep doing this on accident. I said before I was drinking a pumpkin beer, and now I'm drinking a pumpkin spice latte. Oh, and I know it's oh. like 90 degrees in Portland, but you know what? It's like 60 something here in Chicago. So I'm getting into the spirit. People wow. just need to hold wow. off on the whole pumpkin thing until <laughs> I mean, come on! <laughs> I get into September. it. I'm getting into it. Tis the we season. did have some. We did have some fizzlers uh, sending in pictures of what was the name of the beer? Schlafly. <laughs> <laughs> it still gets me. 
We gotta be. Hi, I'm Bob Schlafly of Bob Schlafly Brewers. You gotta come down <laughs> to what we're doing on the brewery down here. It's really neat stuff. I made a beer with pumpkin in it. Oh boy, is that ever fall? Okay, I'm going away now. They let me keep my last name for the beer. Schlafly. <laughs> Schlafly. <laughs> Schlafly. I like Thanks, your, Mom, for letting me keep the name. I like your Wisconsin accent. It's pretty good. <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, I was just trying to, it was just like I was like kind of reaching for something a little bit not West Coast. Like I was just like anything not West Coast heads towards. That sounds like something in the middle. We gotta, we gotta be at peak pumpkin now, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, when's the, not, when's when, the pumpkin backlash gonna begin? <laughs> I think it's here. It's just starting though. I'm Corbett, starting it. Corbett, like when? When do? You, when do you feel like is appropriate pumpkin uh, present time? I feel like uh, one beer on October 27th, somewhere between October <laughs> oh 27th and November goodness. 4th. Okay, all right, that explains a lot. So you're just a purist. He's just like a, a hate pumpkin guy. There's yeah. no time to try all the pumpkin beers. There's, I got to try them all. Come on. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. Exactly. You got to catch them all. Yep. <laughs> Pumpkin, pumpkin, maybe one. Uh, there's a lot of listeners to the show probably right now sipping on a pumpkin spice latte from the Starbucks. Uh, do you run the cafe? I have a Starbucks around the corner from my house. Uh, Starbucks pumpkin spice latte really is pretty damn good. Even though I don't drink it, I don't drink anything from that cesspool of a company. Even though they're actually a pretty good company, <laughs> which uh, is it? I just don't. <laughs> You know what's about pumpkins are neat, they're good, and what's neat about them is that you shouldn't have too much and they should go away right now. And that's what I like about pumpkins, <laughs> just protecting yourself on all sides. It's not my best work, guys. Deal with it. So today on the show, I want to get into, I wanted to play a little bit of a game. We play, I played a little bit of a game on Corbett and Steph here, um, where I just sent them a text sort of five minutes before we jumped on the microphones and said... This is the question that we're going to answer on the podcast today. Bring three of your own answers, your own personal answers, what you personally feel like are the th the th like sort of three things you'd want to say about this. And the question that I asked, let me pull it up here, is simply, uh, where did it go? Do you guys remember? Here. Um, better question is simply, what's important about talking to customers? Three, bring three answers from your perspective. What is important about talking to customers. Now, before you get to like, uh, oh, yeah, I know what's important about talking to customers. Uh, first of all, you're right. Like, that sounds so boring, right? That sounds like, are you kidding me? What do we do? A seminar on, on talking to customers? It sounds ridiculous and boring. But what we have found in sort of what, what I call like modern small business um, is that this can be like literally the trick. Like, this is the thing that changes everything potentially in your business. So Corbett, really quick, before we get into the details of this thing and our answers, just like, you know, I was thinking about what are the, the let's think about one of the things that you always hear in businesses and customers is the customer is always right. Okay. Now contrast that maybe help someone. If someone's thinking when we talk about talking to customers, they're like, yeah, I get it. The customer's always, always right. Right. Contrast that with what we mean when we kind of talk about talking to customers. Well, okay. So the, the customer is always right to me is actually just a, a mantra for customer service, meaning you should always try to please the customer, take care of them, mm. solve their problem, whatever that is. And that I think is yeah. in a one-on-one -on -one service based sort of situation where you're dealing with individual customers. For us, talking to customers isn't necessarily a part of 
the routine of business, we have to sometimes go out of our way for those of us that build things online to talk to customers, to interact with them. Because imagine if you have a podcast, you might be reaching thousands or tens of thousands of people, but you're not necessarily talking with customers in a conversational sense. You're just talking at them and you're not getting any feedback from them. And we've said a lot of times, I think, um, that one of the biggest risks or probably the biggest risk you face as an entrepreneur is in spending many months or years working on a product only to release it and find out that nobody wants it or that you are wrong about some key assumptions about what people need and and how you can build that for them. And so the best way to mitigate that risk is by talking to customers, finding out what they need, and building something for them along the way so that when you finally release your product or service, there are people there who are ready and willing to buy it because they, in a way, helped you shape that thing. Wow. Wow. I mean, I knew that when I passed the ball your way, I was putting you on the spot, but you'd probably come up with something And I think you just kind of literally hit it out of the park. I think that was like the perfect little just for radio soundbite version of this thing that kind of covers all the bases. So, Corbett, I'm just applauding you over here from the desk, you know, five blocks away from you. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) I do love this idea. My my, we had to we had to call in and record through Skype today because one of my audio pieces I had to send out for repair. Um, Okay, so. I want to just jump into, we each wrote a list of three things. I suspect some of them will be the same. Um, so I want to just jump in and Steph, are you willing to start us off with your first on your list? Yeah, I'm ready. And this is like, it's so hard for me to know where to start because this is like my area of nerdery. Like I could just go on about this. <laughs> like this is like my <laughs> geek territory. Um, yeah, before, I guess before you start in, I mean, talk about that for a second and then talk about the course. Yeah. So, well, first of all, my background is in sales and, you know, selling and I think that so much of, I mean, people probably hear customer interviews and they don't really think about sales, but one of my points, maybe I'll actually start with that one in a second, but one of the most important things about selling is understanding your customer. It's one of the biggest mistakes people make in sales is just like throwing up on people verbally instead of really understanding what a customer wants to hear. Um, so it's a lot in my background. It's my wheelhouse. But on top of that, um, Chase and I, we, we may have actually, I'm sure we've mentioned this a bunch of times on the podcast, but we pretty recently created a whole course about this called Winning Insights with Customer Conversations. Inside of Fizzle, uh, it was a ton of fun to create and we've gotten a lot of really great feedback about it. There's a whole workbook to help you design your entire conversation with customers. So if that you know, the idea of talking to customers is just the last thing you want to do, which it is for a lot of people. We make it really, really easy. Um, so that's a great one to check out. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it was fun to put together just because it's, it's, it doesn't have to be as painful as it seems like, oh my God, I have to talk to people. I have to interview Mm. them. I think it sounds really scary. So one of my points on here that I think ties into this was your customers will tell you how to sell them. And I I think that's such a good, it's just important. That's a good one. Yeah, it's important to think about, right? Because we often think, okay, how can I, a lot of us get, and we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago on the show uh, when it came to copywriting. We talked about, well, what am I going to say in order to sell somebody? Like, what are the magic words that I can put together that's going to make somebody click by? And the truth is there's really nothing more powerful you can do than to shut up and listen to what your customers Mm. are really telling you. They will tell you what they want and exactly how, even they'll even use the vernacular that they want you to use. So I hate to make it, I don't mean to make it sound quite as like calculated as that. It's um, a little bit more authentic, but I think the point is, you know, when your customers are telling you exactly what they need, you're able to create the solution for them and then use their own words to present it to them and speak their language. Mm. So that was one of the first things that came into my mind. 
Your customers will tell you how to sell to them. Exactly. Right? So, so this kind of cross posts with, with my first one, which is, which is, okay, so if I tell you about, if I sh- was able to kind of like lay out on a timeline um, my entrepreneurial uh, exploits, Let's call them. Um, you can just picture like a, a mustache running through, you know, a graphic, a graphical timeline. <laughs> you know, like like an Indiana Jones when the jet is flying from one continent to the other. <laughs> Imagine instead of it being continents, it's like it's like my life, uh, the history Here's of my life, a, and there's a just mustache a mustache trotting around <laughs> different coffee shops in Portland. <laughs> oh my god! You you nailed it! You nailed it! Just a mustache running around through carrying different coffee carrying shops. a different bag at each journey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, the different bag thing is recent. That's when when I when my YouTube videos started getting some play and bag companies start sending me things. And now I'm like, okay, different bag every day. Let's go for it. Um, but I, I if I could show you my entrepreneurial sort of exploits, the history of these things, I, I'll, I'll list some of the names here. Illuma TV. Yes, that's right. I had a website called. Illuma, I-L-O-O-M-A dot TV. Uh, I started a, a website called Cigar Apprentice, Father Apprentice, another one called Write to Mean, another one called bchase.com. Yeah, you could, it's just like, I didn't realize at the Who time, the but now I that? look back. Chase? That's the best best question I've ever heard. This is the best ever... <laughs> It's like, that's the only question that anybody needed to ask me to make me go like, oh, you're right. <laughs> Who's the audience for that? But, but the truth is, for all of these, for me, I have this incredible energy to create stuff, right? I have this incredible desire to perform, to write, especially to have a performance around some sort of set of words put together. Uh, there's something about words and there's something about getting people, like touching people with those words. I'm just real handsy with my words. Um, I want to be creating an emotional experience, either real like belly laughs or like deep tears of just like infinite sadness. I want to create all of those things, right? So so if you look at my history and, and, and included in, even in that with all all the music exploits that I've that I've done, which to me are literally the same kind of exploit as doing an entrepreneurial thing. That's just how I see the world. And um, the truth is, when I look at all of these and I see the carcasses of these projects in my history, you know, like some dinosaur bones found in Arizona or something like that, I'm just looking at the guy who created them. I'm going like, he was so lost about just a couple real, real important basic fundamental things. Um, I realize now that I get lost when I don't talk to customers, specifically when I don't like realize I'm trying to solve a problem that they have. Okay. So if I contrast uh, like Cigar Apprentice, one of these ideas that I put a lot of time and planning and energy into with Fizzle, it's like a night and day difference, right? In Fizzle, there's all this clarity around who it's for, right? We are for people who have already kind of committed to be working for themselves, right? Depend- they could be anywhere on that path, but they want to create a business for themselves, right? And and immediately I go like, well, they're going to fail, <laughs> Right? It's so hard. It's so difficult to do that. And then, and then someone voice from the darkness says, yes, that's your job. 
go help them, please. <laughs> you know? So I know who this is for and I can immediately start, like I can, I can intuit a lot of their problems because I've had those problems before, right? Contrast that with Cigar Apprentice where I wanted to teach like young men how to learn how to smoke cigars because it was hard to learn how to smoke cigars if you didn't have a grandpa or an uncle who taught you how to do it, right? Yeah, there's something there, but it was mostly a play for entertainment, for a little bit of training, a little bit of whatever, but it was lost. You know why? Because I never talked even one time to a customer to or a potential customer. It was just me and my buddy, Zach. And we were like, we like learning about cigars. I bet everybody else would too, <laughs> right? And so that meant that the projects that we thought were important, that meant like everything we tried to do, we thought was important. It, none, the project never got off the ground. Do you understand? Like, I thought I was working on the things that mattered. And because I was so disconnected from the customers, from any real sense of customers, that I actually never got the project off the ground because I kept spinning in tails. I was so lost. And the difference between that and Fizzle really is night and day because now Fizzle is a scratcher for an itch that really exists. And I think this is the thing that more than anything else talking to customers shows you the, that that when you when you get to talk to real potential customers in this particular way um, not just in any way in a very particular way you can like like Steph said they will tell you what they want and how to sell to them and what they haven't been able to find that already meets their needs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But for me personally, as like a creator performer type, someone who's really talented in some ways, um, it grounds me. It absolutely grounds me. And it gives me sort of direction uh, in a sense. And, and Steph's got a, a, a story from the forums, which we'll read at some point, which is a great example of, of that kind of thing. And so look forward to that in just a few minutes here on The Fizzle Show. First of all, we're going to send it out to our sponsor, LaCroix. We got a good LaCroix going over here. I'm drinking a pumpkin mousse. Corbin's drinking passion fruit. And Steph is a little bit on a pumpkin trip. This is a good LaCroix. It's never going to feel the same. You're going to be delicious your whole life, and you're never going to die. Our thanks to LaCroix. F-I-Z-Z on the... Do you remember that? That LaCroix is fizz <laughs> on, on the... Um, yeah. On the like, like the the New York Stock Exchange or whatever Nasdaq. It makes so much sense. It does. It's meant and to I'm, be. I'm, clearly, clearly, we're looking for a little bit of an acquisition play here, right? Yeah. If anybody knows anybody, uh, we could be. <laughs> yeah, we should buy them so we can use that ticker symbol when we go public. <laughs> no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. You know, hey, are you a a, a sparkling water company with it, it, that's in every single startup office in the entire world? Do you need an education and content play to, to support the sales of your your? <laughs> damn cool uh, uh, beverage, well, look no further than Fizzle. We've already started with the beginning of your uh, stock ticker. I almost got through that sentence. I just want to point out that LaCroix doesn't carry a uh, pumpkin flavor, so. I know. What's with that? I I think that's a vote of confidence in LaCroix. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. All right, Corbett, take us to to your first one. So, uh, I was just thinking as you you were telling that story about how you didn't talk to customers for your first several ventures and and how they suffered because of that and and kind of recalling that the same thing happened to me and how many stories we hear from people with the exact same sort of background where you know I thought that I had it all figured out I thought I knew what people needed and so I went away like some sort of inventor 
in a shed for a year and built something, spent, you know, hours and hours of blood, sweat, and tears and countless dollars on building this thing and then put it out in the world and figured out that nobody wanted it. This is just basically everyone's entrepreneurial beginning story starts something like that. And same for me. And so eventually I started figuring that out, right? That, well, I should probably just talk to customers and short circuit this process a little bit to find out along the way if I'm building what they want instead of waiting to find out after I've done all this work. However, Mm. um, even though I started figuring that part out, when I first started blogging, it feels amazing because now you have this connection to readers, right? Because one of the problems that people have when we talk about, hey, you should just go to talk to potential customers is they don't know where to find them, right? And it's it's hard sometimes to, to get enough people to talk to, especially who are interested in the thing that you're hoping to build on. Um, but when you start blogging, it, it solves part of that problem. But But then there's another issue, and that is that you hear from certain customers in comments, for example, or if you're podcasting, maybe you hear from people in podcast reviews, um, or maybe people email you once in a while. But those people that you hear from don't usually represent the majority. It's just a a small number of squeaky wheels that you're hearing from. And so Mm. if you don't realize that early on, you can just assume that maybe your readership is really polarized because all you ever hear from are the really positive things or the really negative things. Or you might assume that there just aren't that many people that are really interested in whatever it is that you're talking about because you you get like 10 comments on a blog post. But you have to realize that you might get 10 comments on a blog post that gets a thousand reads, right? Or you might get one review on your podcast each week, even though several thousand people are downloading it. So there's a whole mess of people who are there listening or or reading faithfully and not giving you feedback. And if you want to get the whole picture, if you want to really learn what your customer base can use, then you have to proactively reach out to those people. You can't just sit back and assume that the things that are coming your way automatically through emails or comments or reviews represent the views of the majority. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I'm hearing you say that if you don't actively talk to customers, you're going to be stuck hearing only from the vocal minority one way or the other. Exactly. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's See, this is some good CEO stuff you get to bring out. Because like where I can say from my experience, I will make better stuff. It, I will be more proud. And my stuff will will like be like actually more helpful when I talk to customers. When you're, what you're saying is like you will literally you you like will only be surviving listening to whoever's the loudest if you don't actively reach out and talk to customers in some sort of like organized kind of way. Yeah, at least at some point in your business. Yeah, and not to not to put down the people who do leave comments because some of them are incredibly valuable. Some of them are also negative, and and that's another thing that mm-hmm. you have to realize is that even though you know you got one nasty comment or three nasty comments or something, it's a really small part of your audience. And the only way you learn that is by talking to a whole lot of other people. And there are a lot of really valid opinions that you're never going to hear from unless you reach out to people because people are busy, they're shy, maybe they feel like it's not their place to leave a comment. There's all kinds of reasons why some of the best people that you want to be talking to won't necessarily naturally react or reach out to you in the mediums that are available. 
Yeah, I, I keep, I, you guys, uh, all listeners, I get a notification every time we get a new iTunes review, whether it's, no matter what part of the world it's in. Um, and I mean, I'm just, I, I'm surprised and I want to do this thing. I, I haven't figured it out. Maybe maybe one of you guys can help me put it together. Um, there's this thing where where I, where I want to get like, like I have a segment of the show where listeners can like call and leave a voicemail somewhere and then I can just pull that in. Like something like, hey, this is Bob from, uh, how about, hey, this is Bob from Boston. I'm, you know, love listening to the show. Right now I'm working on getting my blag up. Uh, it's a blog for firefighters that get featured often in, you know, the firefighter calendars. These are some of the, you know, whatever, the hunks, the studs, stuff like that. But these are guys with feelings. And I run a support group for these guys. I'm doing it online to reach more people. Anyways, just wanted to say what's up. One thing I'm struggling with right now is just like, what do I use, MailChimp or ConvertKit or what? I don't know. Anyways, love listening to you guys. Talk to you. Bye. <laughs> I don't know. Just to get a sense for like where people are and what they're working with. Like we wouldn't even answer his question. Because we've answered it somewhere. It's just a matter of like hearing like, oh, man, there's a guy named Bob who has the same question that I have, you know, but we get these reviews all the time and it's every single one of them is from someone living a real life somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like they're dealing with stuff in their life. Like they they've got to, they got to put their mom into hospice, or their kids are like like they're running ragged trying to get their kids to school every morning and then get dinner on the table at the end of the night. And in the middle, there's somewhere going like like I'm so good at making jam, and I listen to these guys because they kind of pump up that that dream in me, you know. And and I don't get to, I don't talk to these people ever, right? Uh, I don't get that. I mean, we, we talk to Fizzlers. We hear that we hear a lot of stories from the forums and stuff like that. And then we have like little projects that we'll do where we talk to a lot more people for a while. Um, but there's something that changes in me when I get to hear the the voice of like real people out there who are neither leaving comments positively or negatively. They're just kind of they're just kind of there. They're the, they're the meat and potato. They're like the, the vast majority of our audience are the people who don't leave reviews and don't comment and don't send us emails. You know, and I love hearing from, like Corbin said, from everyone. But there's this other thing that happens when I start hearing from the people who are like, no, no, it's good. No, I've been doing it. You know, I'm just working through the roadmap. Um, you know, one thing I'm dealing with right now is figuring out what's, whether I'm going to use Squarespace or WordPress for my web- website. And yeah, I'm looking for a theme for that. And then I can normally just help with one quick little thing there. Anyways, all that to say that I like your point a lot, Corbett, that if if you don't actively reach out and and like kind of hear from customers in 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 a particular kind of way, then you're just only going to hear from the squeaky wheels one way or the other. You know, I like that. I like that. Steph, what's your next one? So my next one actually ties really well into what Corbett just said, because I think it's the other side of that same coin, which is you gain confidence when you talk to your customers. Um not only confidence in your idea, like obviously I think idea validation is a big piece of this, but I think what you're speaking to chase with that sort of like electric feeling that you get when you re-engage with your customer, it just kind yeah. of roots you in what you're doing. And it reminds mm. you that this is, this is work worth doing, I think is really important. It's very easy to lose sight of that. It's like, I don't know, it's like reconnecting with that magnetism that brought you into it in the first place. So mm, um, yeah. I, at this point, I would love to share, I know you mentioned that I was bringing a story from the forums from one of our fizzlers who, who talked a little bit about customer conversations that she did recently. So I'll just read um, 
I'm going to read a good bit of this because I just think it's it's just so powerful. I've read it multiple times. I keep coming back to it because I just you can tell how excited she is. So this is from a Fizzler who's also named Stephanie. And she says, I recently finished the customer conversations course here on Fizzle. I lagged a little on finding people and then making the actual interview dates because I really just didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted my idea to work. So that kind of goes back to Corbett's point of like, why can't I just, you know, work on this thing and make it work myself? Uh, but reality is, reality is what it is. So I put on my big girl pants and jumped in, even though it made me uncomfortable. And the result has been, wow, I knew I had a valid pain point and corresponding business idea, but the why of my business was always a little hazy. I want to make people happier was sort of the idea. I had a core urge to help people, but no truly profound post to hitch my business to. It always felt a little hollow. So when I started doing the interviews, what I found was heavy. These people feel awful about the problem I'm trying to solve. Lots of I'm pathetic. I feel like a total failure. I don't feel like a real adult. It's ruining my relationship with my body. I'm not good at anything. So please, please, please help me be good at this. I was totally floored, shocked by the fact that I was so clueless about just how deeply this problem could run through someone's self-esteem. Going back over my notes, I can just feel the hurt these people are experiencing and nothing spurs me to action faster than someone who's stuck or worse, unable to help themselves. For the, uh, for the first time in my entire entrepreneurial life, I feel like I've got a truly profound reason to move forward. Something bigger than me, something that will actually help people. And in a way that's so obvious, I was still blind to it. She bolds this part at the end. If you've been lagging on talking to your target customers, do it. You might find a whole lot more than just idea validation. You might discover the missing piece of your passion that you've been searching for through your entire journey. I don't have much more to add to that. I just think it's so well said and mm. it's so powerful. Yeah. Wow. What, a, what an awesome, uh, like this moment. And then the next, the next response from Megan, who says, firstly, I got the tears and goosebumps while I was reading your post. I could totally feel sort of the alignment and congruence for you. And I think I get that same exact feeling reading this because I've been in that same exact moment where this hunch that you have, where this thing that you've been kind of like in this little back workshop in your mind, like you don't really bring it out into public or talk very much to people about it, but you're like, I bet this would be, this could be, or maybe I, or what if, right? And then you get brave enough to actually talk to some people about it. And then they're like, yes. And then, and their stories are so real that they completely like humanize this thing outside of your own mind. They make it a reality in the world for you. Like you realize that what you'd be making is 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 uh, is something that works with the energy that already is out there in the world instead of something that has to create all of its own energy for it, you know? And I think that's that's such an amazing story from Stephanie. Okay, I think that's a this. huge point that you just made. I, that just really resonated with me. So I kind of just want to restate it because I think that's what exactly what she's saying is that you don't have to go out there and create this energy. When you talk to customers, you realize that it already exists. All you have to do is harness it. That is like, I mean, for me, that would have, that shifts everything because to have to start from scratch and and create is so intimidating, but to know that it exists and you just have to kind of tap into it. I have to imagine that would be kind of a relief for a lot of people once they actually start talking to people. Yeah, I think that's 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 the meat and potatoes, man. That's the deep stuff. Okay, so um, I'm going to go for number two here. Okay, my first one was you get lost without it. I get lost without it. And it grounds me to, to, to talk to customers. Now, this one, I want to get a little tactical. The second point, the second thing that I think is so important about talking to customers is you have to be a researcher, not a salesman. Okay, 
this is something that when people hear customer conversations, they're immediately thinking of like, okay, so I talk to people and try to like convince them of why my idea is good, or they're going to tell me what they think and I'm going to tell them where they're wrong. Right? You know what I mean? I have to be really good and think on my toes and this sort of stuff. But no, 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 no. You are not going to convince them. You're going to be curious about them. And those are like night and day differences. Do you understand? Like this is like, this is completely different role for you to play than what you might have in your mind. Um, And that's why this course is so good that that Steph made on customer conversations, which I'll put in the show notes so you can watch the intro video on it. It's like a five-step process for this thing. And you're getting a lot of the, 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 some of the gist of it, at least a lot of the why to do this from us here. And I'll get, like, my next one's a little more, uh, I guess a little more tactical as well. Um, but the, this, this whole process is so valuable because it just is like, oh my God, now I know exactly how to talk to customers. You know what I mean? It's it's not like, oh, what am I going to say? Oh, how will I find them? It's like, oh, okay, we've answered that question. We've answered that question. You're like, yeah, you actually you actually have. <laughs> I am ready to do this. So the 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 big mindset change though that that course teaches you is this this idea that you're not a salesman. You're not going to convince them. You're a researcher. You're going to be curious about them, and you're going to be honestly looking like a scientist in a lab coat uh, with with a spreadsheet. You know, you're going to be honestly looking for like the the results in it, like like of this experiment like you're looking at you're, you're talking to this person and you're looking at wow she really perked up when we talked about this or man her energy sure got heavy when she talked about like what and you're fo- and you're just following up with that like hey so so what what is so hard to about that for you right and then they just start opening up um this is a huge huge shift this will this will Literally, this is like literally to me really life changing because it, it plays exactly into what Steph's p- first point, which was your customers will tell you how to sell them. And it's so ridiculous that nobody told me this earlier on that like nobody like helped me out. I had to like, li- I had to like, it's such a simple idea. And now I'm so utterly convinced of it and that someone could have probably convinced me of it earlier and said, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you've got all the tools. You need all those tools, but can you see that you're shooting in the dark? No, let's turn on the lights. Let's go talk to these kinds of people and see where the itch already exists that you've got all the tools to scratch and how they talk about it and what they mean when they say whatever this thing is, right? And what they've already tried to to use to solve this problem, but it hasn't been satisfactory yet, right? Um, and I just, I don't know, to me, that, 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 this idea of you have to be a researcher, not a salesman, is something I keep coming back to across the board in business, like across the board in business, because it's so, uh, it's such a fundamental shift in how you and how you pursue this stuff. So that's my number number two is is that you're you're not going to convince them. You're going to be curious about them, mm. and we all already have the skills and tools for that. You know, yeah. Corbett, you ready for another one? I love that because um, you know a lot of people if they just hear some of our earlier points about how important it is to talk to customers, they might go out and blow the opportunity because they're trying to yeah. impose what they believe on the customer, not realizing that this entire exercise is about learning from your customers, not about selling yeah. them. Yep, totes. Um, my second one is sort of about what you do with all of this information that you've gathered because mm. customers are going to tell you a lot of stuff, especially if you talk to like 10 different people. And what they tell you 
may not directly become your business idea. It may not even be the best idea. Your job is really to translate what people tell you and to synthesize it into a coherent, tangible, buildable business idea. So just because people are telling you these things doesn't mean you run off and build it. You have to wait and gather and then synthesize all of this stuff together. Your customers might want too much or oftentimes they might pull you in completely different directions. And if you tried to build all that once, you might fail. You might not even be capable of building much of what they want yet, at least. So you have to create the vision. This is where your leadership has to come into it. You have to create the vision based on the synthesis of your customer's feedback. You you guys may have heard like a famous quote from Henry Ford, where he said something like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So they weren't able to, you know, take what they thought they wanted, which was better transportation, and even visualize what could have been possible, uh, you know, meaning a car, which is what Henry Ford built. Um, and so there may be something that you're going to learn from talking to all of your customers that leads you in a direction that none of them individually will tell you directly. Yeah, I love that. Um, I was thinking about that directly about that faster horse quote from Henry Ford. I was, I, cause it's just like, think about it. There was a modern entrepreneur who completely changed the way his product was created, right? That completely changed like sort of the manufacturing of his product. And that allowed him to do things that his competition just wouldn't, couldn't do, couldn't even see as possible, right? He was able to think so much bigger. And so this guy who's operating at the, at the edge of what's possible because he kind of invented some or designed some, some new processes for, for actual creation of the widgets that he was making, um, was able to think so much further ahead than his customers were even willing to imagine, right? Visionary is like the, it was what the definition of, of that is. And right. Same thing that Steve Jobs did. Right. It's it's like the customers doesn't he has a similar quote about the customer just does not know what they want. I will tell them what they want because I live in the future and I will and I will build what I'm living with there. Right. That idea is 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 intoxicating for for these visionaries. And I love this point, Corbett, that even though you're hearing from all these people about this this itch that exists that this energy that they that they want to be like 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 alleviated this thing that they want solved you still have to input that into your own little personal you know computer your head and your heart and your guts and kind of and and create the the like the vision for what these people actually want. And I think that's something that I, Steph, is that something that you've seen in your experience with talking to customers? Is this sort of internal, like the way that you have to take this information that they're giving you, the stories that they're telling, the, the emotions that they're having, and translate it into, into something that's kind of coherent, like a vision? Is that something you have experience with? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and it's just such a great point because we can't, I mean, one of the mistakes I think one of the most common mistakes people make in in interviewing customers and asking them questions is to ask something like, what could we do better? Or what would you like to see from us? Or how would you like this problem solved? People like to ask some iteration of that question, which mm. their intentions are in the right place. But you're right. They just, if the customer knew how to fix it, they would have already fixed it themselves. That's the thing. Yeah. You really have to yeah. focus on where does it hurt and understand that pain or that need or that desire and then interpret it like you guys are talking about and be able to kind of piece it together. And I think the instead of, you know, asking the customer, how would you fix it? It's just a matter of asking more questions to understand 
the desire as much as you possibly can. And this is where it's important to talk to more than one person because, and Mm. I think this goes back to to Corbett's point about the squeaky wheel, because if you just talk to one person and you get a sense of how how they feel, it's not necessarily going to be the same over, you know, a larger swath of your customers. So I think talking to at least five to 10 people can kind of help you pick out the similarities in the story. And then you can start to draw some, some conclusions from that. Okay, I'm going to go next because that plays directly into my next one, my third point, which is this gets better in aggregate, okay? You get better at curiosity uh, as you kind of keep going with this. So first of all, just like Steph said, you need more than one data point. You just have to have it. It's going to give you, um, it's going to give you sort of a, a, if you talk to like, 15, 10, let's say you talk to 10 people and they're all in your, in your target audience. You're, you're sort of like your direct sort of ideal customer, right? And they're all moms because your thing is for, for moms who have to put dinner on the table every night or something like that. They're all moms and you sit down with coffee for them or you just have a five minute Skype call with them and you you sort of have the same anchor question. That's one of the things in the course that Steph teaches really well because your anchor question matters a great deal. Uh, how you start this whole thing and there's kind of a process that we use to get you to design that question because it does matter. It determines whether you send them off in the right field or left field with, with how they respond in some way. Right. And so you get better at that over time. You might have this idea for an anchor question that's over here. And then you realize it's kind of like producing the same results on people. And so you start shifting it as you get more used to having these conversations. But as you're having these 10 conversations, it's almost like a, an 11th person is formed in the aggregate of all these answers, right? If you if you take all these answers and emotions and issues and itches that these people feel and they start kind of like, they start constructing a pretend character over here who's the sort of the, uh, the I don't know, the, the sum of all of the parts that you're getting from, from these conversations. And then when you look at that person and you just see the raw desire and emotion and struggle of the problem they're trying to solve or itch they're trying to scratch. You're kind of like that to me is what I get my, my sort of what Corbett was talking about, my visionary sort of like, Oh, here's the, here's the thing that would solve that problem mode from. So this idea is it gets better in aggregate. Not only do your answers, your data get more complete, your data will start to tell a better story, a story that you can actually viscerally feel. I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but I was at a conference called XOXO. I was talking to a guy who works at Apple who does data visualization. That's all he does at Apple. And this is stuff that never gets seen in public. So imagine this. At Apple, they literally have databases full of every gesture, every uh, every click, every you know hour, minute, and second spent using the phone and at what time, right? These databases are literally like mind-bogglingly massive how much data they have on how their phone and watches and computers and you know accessories are being used okay they can track that they're tracking it and they're this guy's job is to take that data which he, which which uh <laughs> you know we had this moment where i was like yeah what we do in small businesses we have like an excel file and i can actually kind of go through each cell and get roughly a sense of the trend that's happening occasionally i'll create a graph 
right? And Corbett at Fizzle is like the best CEO I've ever worked with because the way he can, he just knows about better graphs. <laughs> I think there's this whole trick to just knowing how, knowing the different graphs that exist, like 12 trailing months is the newest one that's completely blown my mind. Um, so this guy, he heard us talking about that and he was like, I can't even fathom someone looking at literally a cell of our data in our data. Like it's, pointless it's meaningless the only thing that exists is its relationship to every other cell and forward and backward in time so his job is to go in and create basic is cre and create a visualization of this data that tells the story of what's really going on data visualization is like a massively important trend as we get more and more data across the board in our societies and cultures and 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 businesses um and as you talk to more people, like what that data visualization does is it makes the truth of the data, makes you feel it. It makes it intuitive. It makes it a story. It makes it first there was this, then this happened, and now this, right? And you go, oh my God, I get it. Whereas before it was just a bunch of cells in a database. When you talk to people and you hear their stories and then you start to see the pattern of that over time, if you see that same itch sort of reduplicated in different places, you that story starts to come to life and you're like, oh my God, I get it. I get it now. You want this, but this thing that you're trying to get to solve that problem doesn't work because X, Y, and Z. And you start to realize when you see it happen in multiple people in multiple situations that this story, it kind of gets into your bones, right? You have way more of a fire in your belly to solve this problem. You see what's possible about it and how it could work. So my third point is simply that it gets better in aggregate. You get better um, not, not only does it get better when you, when you see the patterns over time, but you also get better at just creating a space of curiosity. You know, it's really kind of awkward to do at first when you haven't done it before. And it takes like two to four sessions to really start to go like, I see now this is really, really easy for them if I can remain in this spirit or in that spirit or whatever, right? And so the better, the more you do it, the better you get at creating the space for curiosity, which means they're just giving you more and more and more and you're getting deeper access to what they really mean because they're not afraid of getting the wrong answer or something like that. And that's that's just ins insanely powerful for, that's why we call this course Winning Insights from Customer Conversations. Like these are insights that change the decisions and the strategies that you make in your business. And it's a big damn deal. Okay, that was my third point. That was my third point. Who wants to go next? I'll let you guys fight it out. What do you think? Go ahead, Steph. Okay. Oh, Wow. Leaders eat last. <laughs> All right. So just to recap, my first one was, was people will tell you how to sell them. Uh, the second one was you gain confidence with that story from Stephanie in the forums. And then my third one is talking to customers helps you achieve longevity. And mm. this one I was thinking about on the heels of, I just um, got back from being with you two guys in Portland and we were talking a lot about, you know, fizzle being around for three plus years and we're getting ready to do another batch of customer interviews ourselves. And it's interesting because when we talk about customer interviews and admittedly in my own mind, I jump right to being at the beginning of your business. You know, I need to validate my idea, make sure that I'm building the right business. But the truth is, and I don't mean to intimidate anybody, but it's really never ends. It's not like you just do this at the beginning and then like, okay, great. Check the box. I've done the customer interviews. And mm -hmm. this kind of goes back to your first point, Chase, is that you feel yourself kind of getting away from the customer. I think that's really natural. So as you're, you know, in the later innings of building your business and you want to achieve longevity, you want to be around longer, you want to go 
deeper into helping people, it's really important to come back to the well and have those conversations again. So this is like really the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so if, you know, I think in terms of helping to create growth and to feel more secure in the future of your business, talking to customers is really the way to make sure that you're building for the future. Mm, I love that. Love that. Corbett? Yeah, and, and and mine kind of ties into that in in a lot of ways, Steph. I was going to say um, for my third point that there are a lot of different modes of talking to customers, and I think it's easy when you know we have uh, an hour long session like this, and and we're talking about talking to customers. That in your mind, you might be just thinking of sitting down, uh, you know, over Skype or one on one, and and having like a long form conversation or an interview with a customer. But there are a lot of different modes, and each mode is useful for different situations and needs. And really, the combination of the conversations that you have using different modes leads to a clearer picture because you can learn different things in different ways. So for example, I just wanted to list a few of these different modes. And and really, most businesses should probably use multiple of these. So the first one would be informal um, where maybe you hold a meetup or uh, get a coffee with someone and you're just having like a sort of off the cuff kind of conversation with someone. And maybe there are multiple customers there and you're having like a quick, you know, two minute conversation with one and two minutes with another. And maybe you'll learn some things in that. And maybe you'll learn some things because people have, you know, let their guard down a little bit. Maybe you've had a drink or whatever. And, um, and they'll tell you something that you might not get in a more structured sort of interview. Interview. The second kind, I think, is what we've been focused on a lot of times, especially in this course that we've talked about, which are more structured interviews where you set aside a half hour to talk with one customer over Skype or face-to-face, and you probably have a list of questions already, and you're really trying, as Chase said earlier, to be the researcher and not a salesperson just to gather information from someone. And and usually with those, you'll have fewer of those just because they're time-consuming for you. You might have you know 10 of those would be a good start for those, whereas informal conversations at a bigger event or something, you might be able to have a lot of those. Then um, we have surveys, and people are probably familiar with these. Surveys are a great way to um, find out percentages of people in your audience or in your customer base who feel a certain way or who are interested in a certain thing because you can ask questions and then automatically plot those things on graphs. Surveys are tough sometimes. We've run surveys and and have gotten hundreds and hundreds of responses, and sometimes those are hard to synthesize, but they give you a really deep well to draw on, and then you can kind of start to notice patterns. As Chase said earlier, you know, you might find that in aggregate, you learn more as you progress through your customer interviews. Surveys, even more because you get to talk to so many people, but it's not nearly as deep of a conversation. Then another yeah, kind. Yeah, by the way, I'll put in this show notes the uh, episode 94 where we talked about the art of surveys. Cool. Awesome. Um, a fourth kind is more of a concise kind of survey where instead of being open ended or asking people a lot of different questions, it's more like, hey, we're thinking about doing these three things. Which one 
are you most interested in? So instead of gathering feedback from people, you're trying to figure out if this is the right direction or not. And you could even use this sort of like a lineup card, like you're trying to pick out the like one particular suspect, so you throw five others in there. You could have an idea and say, you know, I really think our customers are going to want this, but let's ask them and throw in a couple of other ideas in there to see if they pick out the one that we feel is best. So it's kind of a a quicker sort of survey. And then finally, um, Chase mentioned this other um, direction, this mode earlier, which is every time a customer signs up and every time a customer cancels, you should be inviting feedback. You should be soliciting um, a response from them because you can learn a lot not just from, you know, a lot of times when you're having structured interviews, this is like before you've launched a product and this is when your customers are still struggling with something. If you Instead, you're asking them when they actually sign up for something, either an email list or a uh, product, and when they leave, if they quit or cancel or ask for a refund or something, then you're getting perspectives from people who are in different stages and you can learn a lot from people through that mode as well. Yeah, love it. Guys, we did it. That's that's those are like those are I'm surprised how like well-rounded and and kind of like there's everything kind of shares a border and there's definitely some overlap, but I thought we'd all be landing on like probably very similar sort of things. I love how we all came at this from different directions based on our own kind of stories. It's the power of working together. Love it's it. The, I, what's this what's the power of song? I just lost the power. I like what's the pa- is there a song or is it pa- it's a uh, Huey Lewis or something, right? <laughs> the power That's the power of love. That's the emotion. All right, so there you have it, guys. Talk to your customers, and there's a simple way to do it. We can guide you through it. As a listener of The Fizzle Show, you get five weeks for free of Fizzle membership where you could take this course in literally a day. It's a short and sweet course that is what I call small and meaty because the the, the downloadables there, the, 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 the putting together anchor question, figuring out how to do follow-up questions a little. Uh, I, made some, I made some animations there of... Uh, of uh, fly fishing because well it'll make sense when you watch the course um but uh you have this available to you if you want to take talking to customers really seriously you can do that absolutely right now for free cancel you walk away but obviously our hope is that you would find this to be so valuable you'd be like what else is inside of here so if you've been thinking if you've been on the fence maybe talking to customers is like the next step for you and you could have a story similar to stephanie who's been thinking about something for a while and done a lot of work on it and then she all of a sudden does custom talks to customers in the way that we laid out for her very different way than you, you would probably come at it by yourself. And she's having this, this huge sort of like breakthrough moment. I just love that. That's I want that for you. It's available. Fizzleshow.co slash try five. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I have been Steph Customer Conversations Crowder. <laughs> we'll see you there. Or we'll, we'll see, see you another, another time. Another time. So there you have it. All right. 
fizzleshow.co slash 182 is where you're going to find the show notes and the conversation and where you can add your voice in the comments and say, hey, this one was actually pretty good. <laughs> this one, hey, the Motors for the Podcast episodes aren't very good, but I like this one. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it had the standard sort of suckage to it, but it wasn't so bad. So good job. You know, if you wanted to say that, you'd do it at fizzleshow.co slash 182, where you'll also find a link to Stephanie's forum thread, which we mentioned in there, as well as the art of surveys podcast episode. All of that, fizzleshow.co slash 182. Here's an iTunes review from Hendrick VP in the United States of America, who says, these guys rock, period. They have a great mindset and view that I have learned a ton from. Keep on keeping on. Hey, Hendrik, I got some advice for you there. How about you keep on keeping on, pal? Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Thank you so much for the review. Uh, You know our goal here, dear listener, is to help you make progress on your business every single week. Right, and if you leave us an iTunes review, it just kind of it kind of helps us do that because it gets us in front of more people. Is what I hope. I don't know. I don't know if this stuff works, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing: every time someone leaves a review, I get an email. And you know what happens? I read it. You know what happens about that? I just feel a little bit better. It feels nice. You know, we make this podcast. You leave a review. I hear about it. It's like the it's the recipro- reciprocity. Reciprocs city. That's right. Reciprocs city. <laughs> That's what it is. Give us props. It's a reciprocs city. <laughs> All right, that does it for this episode here. I'm going to leave you with a quote from a poet called Daniel Ladinsky, who um, who has spent most of his life translating dead poets, especially mystics and weirdos like that. And he's amazing. Um, and he says this, I hear that I am one of the most successful living poets in the world these days. And if someone asked me, hey, how in the hell did you did you do that? How did that ever happen? I could respond, well, I worked my butt off and I've been lucky at poker and the heart is more powerful than I knew. Find care, take care, serve hard and dig in. Thanks. We'll talk to you next. Fizzle Friday. Fizzle Friday.